0: hope everyone's having a great week. This is David from Data Wonderment and we're in week five of our marketing podcast and this week we'll be discussing Facebook and Instagram as well as a marketing podcast and an article from startups.co. So to start off this week's podcast we'll be speaking about six Facebook metrics marketers should be measuring. The first thing to understand about Facebook metrics metrics is they can be overwhelming and Facebook terminology is hazy at times. But understanding these key Facebook terms can really make a difference in your marketing tactics on Facebook. As a marketer, you should note that what can be measured can be managed and improved. Therefore you must measure your Facebook's page performance. Now we'll discuss what statistics you should measure on your Facebook page. First and foremost, you should focus on your Facebook post metrics. These are relevant indicators of the performance of your content. Now we'll discuss the six metrics you need to track to understand your Facebook page's performance. The first metric is fan reach. Fan reach is the number of fans of your page who have seen any given post. You need to understand this is organic reach, and it only records the views that occur directly not through a fan or a follower. Views that resulted from friends actions are recorded in viral views. To find your fan reach metrics, you must find the Excel file available for download on Facebook. To find this, go to the label, lifetime post reach by people who like your page. Retrieve this information as it is very vital to your Facebook metrics. Fan reach metrics are also important to know. These help you measure the appeal of your content to your audience and appreciate the quality of your audience. It is a key metric to understanding who your audience really is. Fan reach is a key indicator of your Facebook page. The higher the quality of your audience and the more interesting your content, the more fans you will reach. Therefore, you have a higher potential audience. The second metric we'll discuss is organic reach. Organic reach corresponds with the number of people, fans, and non-fans who have seen a given post. Organic reach only records views that are not the result of a friend of a fan's action. The difference between fan reach and organic reach is organic reach includes views of people that are not fans of the page but have directly accessed the page or seen its content. You can find organic reach metrics within the insight interference of your page. First, you'll want to go to insights, and then scroll down to your list of posts. Then click the reach number for each post, and hover your mouse on the bar chart for organic. Also, you must note, your organic reach will always be higher than your fan reach. And this is because your organic reach may not be an accurate reflection of your fan reach. And I will discuss why organic metrics are important to know. Organic reach metrics can help you identify ways to improve your content's organic visibility. An example of this is, when organic reach is very close to fan reach, it usually means that people cannot be exposed to your content if they are not already fans. And a good solution to this is to attract a new non-fan audience to your content. Better promoting your page on other channels will result in your organic reach going up. The third metric we'll discuss is engagement. Engagement is the number of people who clicked anywhere on your post. This includes people liking, commenting, sharing, and people who viewed your video or clicked on links and photos. Engage users are people who have clicked on the content from anywhere on your page. And it is a very important metric to know. Reach tells you how many people have potentially seen your content. Engagement is the number of people who have interacted with your content. You can find engagement metrics by going to your insights. It's the same place where you looked at your organic reach. Engagement metrics are important to know if you are serious about measuring your page's performance. It is essential to make sure the content you offer your audience triggers some sort of interest. When measuring engagement, do not focus on the raw number you see in your insights. Look at the number of engaged people and the number of people reached for the post in question. A good formula to use is by dividing engaged users by reached users and timesing that by 100. This will help you understand the results for comparisons between posts. The fourth metric we'll talk about is people talking about this. or are also known as storytellers. The people talking about this metric is also known as storytelling. The number of people talking about a post is included in the number of people who engage with that specific post. People talking about this highlights the number of fans who did something to show engagement to their friends. You could find this metric by going into the insights interference where you found your organic reach and engagement stats. This metric is best for measuring how many people are willing to spread the word about you to their friends. The fifth metric we'll talk about is the click-through rate. Click-through rates tell you the number of people who have clicked on a link in your content, watch your video, or viewed a longer version of your photo. You can find click-through metrics by going to your pages insights interference and clicking on engaged users number. Click-through metrics are important to know because they tell you how many people were interested enough to pay attention to your content. The sixth metric we'll be talking about is negative feedback. Negative feedback counts the number of users who really did not like your content. You can find this by going to the Insights Interference, clicking on Engage User's Number, and downloading the Excel spreadsheet. And now we'll move on to our second topic of the day, and that's the Instagram community. The purpose of the Instagram community is to inspire. You could do this by using visual expression and inspiring through visible action. You should connect and share passions give visual storytelling, and spark exploration. To build a presence on Instagram, you should start by telling your story. You should use an organic approach to tell a virtual story. Next, you should try to be found. You could do this by reaching all audiences that matter. After this, you should communicate directly with your customers. Using an organic account, you can create messages and talk to your customers on a personal level. Lastly, you should complete the ad experience, and you can do this by creating a business organic account. Your quality on Instagram should be high-quality brand content, and Instagram should be part of your daily operations. You should run contests, link your account to Facebook and Twitter, and post signs, emails, and postcards. Instagram is about connecting with the right people and you do this by using quality over quantity You shouldn't overuse hashtags Create contests and giveaways or use third parties to buy followers You should always just focus on your objective and you can do this and inspire people Leverage your Instagram account to reach all customers and it's always important to note that more followers doesn't mean you're reaching your target audience The overall message here is to be authentic. You should look at your competitors' accounts um, for just your basic inspiration. And now we'll talk about leveraging insights to reach your audience on Instagram. You should use insights by Instagram business tools. Instagram insights is a summary of results, which compose of impressions, reach, and website clicks. You can see your top post, which is your most popular business post. In Follower Insights, you can learn who your followers are and you can see their age, gender, location, and when they will be most active. You can see this by going to your business profile and clicking on the bar chart on the top right corner. It's important to note that website clicks drive people to visit your business website, whereas local awareness drives people to contact or visit your physical business. To promote a post on Instagram, go to insta photo and click promote and then you could set an objective and this could be to tell your customer to call you or even just visit your website and this will conclude the first half of our podcast and i hope you enjoyed it and tune in for the second half For the second half of our podcast, we'll begin by discussing how to use video content to sell. The tip of the week is a website called Enhance.io. You can use this website to upscale images with Let's Enhance. This website takes samples of various pieces of content and upscales them four times while preserving quality of your image. This is valuable for anyone doing web work and makes images look crystal clear, even if they're just a thumbnail. The website is web-based, you just upload a photo, and it kicks back a downloaded file for you. So for this week's podcast, we'll be discussing Marcus Sheraton. Marcus uses video content to sell. He started with blogging, and then he decided to implement video in 2009. He decided to go with YouTube as his main platform and he now has over a million views. His philosophy is, unless we show it, it doesn't exist. If everyone in the marketplace is doing the same thing, you need to differentiate yourself from the competitors. We want our stuff to be personal and good, but it takes time to get good at publishing video. And for the fact of the week. By 2019, 80% of content we consume is going to be video based. So as a business, we must implement video. Before you get started with video, the first thing to note is you shouldn't make excuses. Your number one goal should be getting everyone on the same page. And the number one mistake for people who start video is using the marketing initiative for making video when making video is a sales initiative. To make sure you're making the correct video, you need to think of your video being used by a sales team right now to help them close a deal. And if your sales team can close a deal by using the video, you know you're doing it right. So now we'll discuss the types of videos you should be creating. The best video you can create is the 80% video. 80% video addresses 80% of your questions your sales team gets on the first sales call. And by creating the 80% video, you can eliminate 80% of the questions before you introduce yourself to that person that you're you're selling to. And um, to start off the 80% video, you should generate the top 7 to 10 questions. Once you generate the top seven to ten questions, create an individual video for each question. Next, you should combine the, the individual videos and integrate them together into one video. By doing this, the person you're selling to can see your face and hear your voice before you make the sale. Therefore, they will be more comfortable with you. When making the video, The length of the video is a myth, and you need to understand if someone's paying you $60,000 to do a job, they don't really care how long the video is. They really want to understand the content and what you have to say and whether they can trust you and they're getting their money's worth. Marcus says the number one overlooked marketing opportunity is when people include signatures but don't have a short video in their bio. And this is a recommendation I'm making for data wonderment. Maybe we should add a 60, 90, or 120 second short video that explains what we do and and who we are. And this will explain why the customer should trust us and use data wonderment over its competitors. And a good note is to hear us, see us, and know us. We need to pay attention to analytics and see how many people actually click that video. And a website we could use is Y-Stamp. And this is a free service that links to different pins and allows you to link a video to your signature. A video on a landing page on the website can create conversations. We should make it funny and goofy and just get really creative with it and make people laugh. And Marcus was discussing a topic. He said, every company says who they are, but they never discuss what they aren't. So creating a video of who you're not a good fit for could be really productive. Um, You could get different types of audiences and and they'll be like, oh, well, I wonder why this company is saying they're not a good fit for us. And it'll it'll make you seem like you're not very desperate as a company and you, you have a move forward initiative. An easy way to do this is to say, if you are looking for this, this, and this, we are not the right company for you. But by willing to say who you are not a good fit for, you could differentiate yourself from others in your market. And you could add this short video to the about me on your website. By doing this you will get better leads and people will not feel like you're very pushy when you sell to them. And rather than wasting 45 minutes on a potential sales call, people will understand ahead of time what, what you are, what you do, and what you can provide. Um, and now we'll discuss Marcus's tips for recording video. He recommends spending two to three hours with a group and um, by doing this, you can train yourself very quickly. If you're skittish, when you start the video, do not stop no matter what happens. If you flub a web, don't worry about it. Just keep talking and don't stop. And his second tip is you can do it again. If you don't feel good about the video, you can always do it again. And if you don't get it by the fourth time, just move on. And you should always envision your camera as the customer. Envision the camera as the person you're selling to. And now we'll move on to the last segment of our podcast. And we'll discuss an article found on startups.co. The article is Transparency is Good for Business and Four Ways to Start Getting Real. So as humans, we like companies that are transparent. An example of this is when chefs and customers could see each other in a restaurant. And a study found that um, there is a 17% increase in food satisfaction. Transparency in business can't be faked. Startups have an advantage. They can decide early on what they'll commit to and what they'll be known for. And I will discuss some ways startups can be transparent in their marketing. The first one is being personally transparent. If your people are transparent, your company will be too. The second tip is be transparent about mistakes. Your company should admit their mistakes before getting defensive. You should always own up to your mistakes and learn from your failures. And learning from your failures is a key tip. Because to grow, you must learn from the things you fail at. The third tip is being transparent about change. You should tell your stakeholders why you're making the change. And the fourth tip is being transparent about price. The price should always be clear and simple. So this will conclude our podcast for this week. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their week and stays productive. Thank you for tuning into Data Wonderment. Podcast number four.